Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you here with us. Today on the podcast, we got Molly Patterson, Hi. Rob Croyle, Hello. Jacob Croyle, hey there. and myself, Logan. Hitting a rhythm here. Hitting a rhythm. It's good stuff. Uh, diving right in, we want to talk about all the things that went wrong yesterday. Let's do it. Uh, well, yesterday, Sunday, whenever you're listening to this. Yeah. On Sunday. Yeah. Uh, in the fourth week of the Discipleship Series... The, the good the the year of our good Lord 2019 on November the third, uh, <laughs> Rob Croyle preached, and uh, it was stated that the Veggie Tales movie was Jonah and the Big Fish. Hey, it's a title I'll stick by. I I did not notice this at the time. I didn't see anything wrong with it. I thought it was fine. Jacob went and researched this. It is not Jonah and the Big Fish. Uh, Jacob. I don't think he had to research it. I think uh, he knew I, from the top yes. of his head. Oh, I'm oh. offended that you thought I needed to research this. I was trying to help you out there. <laughs> his millennial brain was fully engaged. I was, I was desperately trying to help you out that you would not have to admit that you know your VeggieTale movie titles. Well, specifically, I remember that, that um, one of them is called Josh Joshua and the Big Big Wall. Okay, um, and those names are too close, and also Jonah and the Big Fish doesn't flow very well. Uh, and considering the Jonah movie was a, an actual like, I feel like it flows real well with the tides and the currents, just ebbs and flows. Nicely played. Hmm. I, but, think, uh, I think we should throw that version of the name into the sea to quiet the storm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. With right, a millstone right, right. side. Is that what you're saying? Um, I don't know. Uh, well, they throw Jonah in the oh, sea they to threw, stop yeah. the storm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Now know. I'm doing just straight Bible references. This is just the perfect them. This is the perfect <laughs> storm of references here. Um, oh, I see just where this is going. really bad. Uh, we continuing on though. So you you realized this was not correct. You knew that this was not correct. <laughs> Nerd. Anyway, uh, what is the actual title of the Veggie Tales production covering the tale of Jonah? Jonah, a Veggie Tale movie. <laughs> was I think it was the first motion picture, like main, like wide release. I remember watching this in the theater, actually. Hmm. Yes. Now that you're triggering these memories. <laughs> There's the recesses of my mind. I think there are only a few theatrical VeggieTale releases. I think that was the first, though. I think that was the first. I think I'm triggered by all the VeggieTale movies, and I think they're fantastic, but I had to watch them on an awful lot. <laughs> I watched them on an awful lot and enjoyed my it. Obviously, <laughs> because you know them all. Did not like VeggieTales. Really? No. What's wrong with VeggieTales? Well, they had no taught- arms. No, she taught children, like the children's Sunday school. And so she was taking us through the Bible. Yep. And she got really frustrated when the kids are like, oh, but they, they like threw slushies on the Israelites when they walked around the Jer- <laughs> on the wall of Jericho. And I was like, this is not in the story. So she was okay with it, but she. That's hilarious. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and I hope, I Sheep hope tipping. that that, uh, that happens if I ever get to do children's ministry. <laughs> I'll be teaching them the story that way, though. So. You'll throw slushies? Oh, yes, you're darn right. There will be slushies you involved. Slushly, slushy muscles. hurler. I think there's a reason Logan's not in charge of children's ministry. <laughs> yep, pretty much. 
I don't like, know. He's got a Meowy Christmas sweater on right now. I think he'd be perfect for children's ministry. I am hiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me pick that up in my spare time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, then the next thing that we, we screwed up royally was the graphic mm. that <laughs> no one has seen still. I'm going to post this on our Instagram. It, we're recording this on a Monday. Uh, after the Sunday, November the 4th, year of our Lord, 2019. Um, but I want to post this on the Instagram. And we, I, I forgot, Molly sent the graphic to me. Molly's the only person who didn't screw this up. She created the graphic and did, did a wonderful part. job. And then she sent it to me promptly. And I promptly forgot about <laughs> it completely until Rob mentioned it on Sunday in the sermon. I was like, wait, what graphic? Huh? Yeah, let's bring oh. up the let's bring up the graphic, and I'm oh. looking at Nitra, and Nitra's oh, no. like, oh, shoulder shrug. Poor Nitra. I thought about running up there with my phone to hold up. <laughs> just like felt like even the even though the screens are huge on those things now, it's just wouldn't have been wouldn't have been the same. Could have just passed it around. So and I'm then gonna... you had forgotten to put it in your sermon notes, Rob. So poor Nitra. The, yeah, there the was slightest. no hope. This was <laughs> failure on multiple fronts. Yeah, yeah. I'm blaming it on daylight savings time. That's okay. All right, daylight yeah, yeah, you you time. you were you were uh you were ragging on daylight savings time. You didn't like the fact that we had an extra hour of sleep. You know, you work well yesterday. I for 48 years have adored, loved, cherished even <laughs> daylight savings time and that extra hour of sleep. Just that sweet sweet hour. Oh, man. And for whatever reason yesterday it did not help in fact it hurt and on my drive i mentioned this a little bit uh in the sermon but i don't think i give it enough context on my drive from the office after we after we load up the trailer to where we hold services i was like lord i'm in a funk i need your help <laughs> i'm like <laughs> i uh i am not very worshipful Full right now, and usually I I worship all the way from the office to the, mm. <laughs> to the Hilton. And uh, yesterday morning, I'm just like, oh, I'm not in great great mood right now. So uh, it, it took some work to get there. A little effort to get little, yourself yeah. into the uh, yeah. See, into ever the mood. ever since I've had kids, daylight savings time has never. I've I've hated it. Mm. My kids are so like structured and routined that that hour just throws them all for a loop, and it takes us two weeks to adjust. Hmm. It sucks. The, sp- the <laughs> spring forward, or whatever they want to call it, uh, fall back. Yeah, spring forward. One where you lose an hour. That messes with me for like a month, and I'm well, like, they both mess with us. I'm like, what's the what's the sleep deprived, angry, like s- slangry? <laughs> I don't know. I I, I don't know. We will come up with a term for that. Logan. It's a. <laughs> it's call it Logan. Slangry. Okay. Slangry. I, I just I just termed a word. All right. In okay. twenty I heard years, it here. slangry. Slangry. In twenty years, if this isn't in Webster, I'll be really disappointed. Yeah. Right. I think it happens a lot quicker anymore. I Is mean, hangry in Webster? I think so. I, I don't think know it's if in hangry's in Webster, but it's. I mean, Urban oh. Dictionary is what everyone uses anyway. <laughs> hangry hmm. might be in Webster. All right. I think it got. Right. I think it got. Adopted. That's ridiculous. That's LOL ridiculous. is in Webster. Yeah. No. I mean, no. The the things. Oh, I think Yolo is too. 
Unbelievable. My eldest has started saying yeet. <laughs> oh. Actually, apparently hangry funny. has existed since the we'll 1950s. 1950s. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> All right. And there's yeah, hangrier and hangriest. Yes, this is a full-on wow. word. Wow. Is Logan the hangriest? I'm pretty hangry right now. Like, I didn't get breakfast, and I don't normally want breakfast, but today I'm craving breakfast. Like, I got some Belvita I woke up in and the I was kind of hungry. It was bad. All right, Captain. It's bad. Crunch. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. You make me hungry. Anyway, we have completely derailed here pretty badly, but see, daylight, we're, we're going to blame daylight saving daylight, time again. Yeah, daylight. Daylight saving time. It's not multiple savings. I just want to start a grassroots movement and just do away. Daylight mess with my mood time. We should all be more like Arizona and just say no. And Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Hawaii doesn't do it either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, one other thing that I wanted to point out was you you made a a crack about Peter putting on clothes when he jumped out of the boat uh, and... and it it was a funny joke. It was a funny joke, but... uh, I, I was going to throw out that, I don't know, if you were Peter and your rabbi was showing up on the shore, would you want to run up to him in your skivvies? Mm. I feel like that's a little bit inappropriate. Yeah, they usually did fish. Like, they're out there uh, They're out there not, not weighed down by all the uh, heavy robes and stuff. And he's like, well, oh, man, this is going to be wildly inappropriate. And I don't know if anyone's ever tried weaving, but it's a lot of work. So yeah. you really want to, like, protect your clothing. Sure, sure. Makes sense. So. so if you're doing doing the hard labor, then you... you know. I've watched people weep before. It's a lot of work. Oh, there you go. There you go. So anyway. Yeah, there's something lost in the culturally in the interpretation because mm-hmm. I'm still having a hard time. I'm like, maybe, yeah, maybe it's like a naked thing, you know, like... Um, that would, that, that's my best guess. I mean, they were 100 I... meters off the shore, yep. so maybe that's far enough to not tell what's going <clears> on. I don't. <laughs> Some modicum of decency due to the distance makes sense to me. Yeah. Nonetheless, there you go. Those are the things that yeah. we screwed up or. But he hurled himself, and that, oh, to me, that hurled language. Himself into the that, water. I just see, like, you know, the the swimmers jumping into the water. Oh, I think John is like saying that it wasn't that graceful. That's, <laughs> I think. Well, I think John, like John, is writing this about. John does like to give Peter a hard time. Yeah, like I mean, he throws in that whole like uh, the one, the disciple whom he loved. Well, and he tells us that he was the faster of the oh, two yeah. disciples. Oh like, yeah. Oh maybe yeah. Maybe Peter like, tried he, to walk on water is, again, and it did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> it is the gospel. Like, Lord, I'm coming. I'm oh crap! Swimming now. <laughs> it is. It is the gospel that includes the redemption of Peter. We wouldn't yeah. have had that if it wasn't for it's true John. So he Good. still kind of likes him. He just likes <laughs> just giving likes him a hard around. time. I can get, I can get behind that. I know you probably can. I can get behind that. <laughs> well, yeah, it was the redemption of the disciple that didn't love. The, the, you know, I don't know. No. <laughs> it was the redemption of the disciple that needed redeemed because John didn't need... No, I don't know. Because he was the disciple that it, the Lord loved. loved. Yeah. Well, it the depends rock. on how you look at uh, this that There's sibling rivalry going on here. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> one of the thoughts on it is that John was like the youngest one. Um oh. so he required some like some more taken care of oh. kind of than some of the other disciples. Hmm. Um more shepherding. Yeah. Hmm. There's some interesting theories about that. 
Curious. I hadn't heard that one. I like that. All right. Speaking of shepherding, and uh, we're just going to slide right into the DMs here with a little discipleship moment. No. It's a discipleship moment. We're going to slide into the DM. Get it? Discipleship moment. Logan slid into some DMs recently. (laughs) (laughs) What? uh, Oh, Jacob. Operational security. You can, you can cut that bro. out. That's all up to you. But that My was goodness. you gotta admit, that was good. <laughs> Jacob Croyle is bad at operational security. That's all I have to say about that. Uh that nonetheless, talking about discipleship moments. <laughs> uh we're gonna talk about hard to minister situations. You mentioned this in the sermon, Rob. I thought that this was a uh this is a good conversation to have. Um just like uh, you, I think you're. You were talking about working for the government. That you were. There was some times where it was weird knowing what to say or what you couldn't say, or feeling limited in that aspect. Correct. Right. Right. Um, which is so often. Uh, we got people that listen to this that are that are teachers. We got people that listen to this that are probably in the military yes. or medical or various field. Yeah, medical field teaching education servants, anything civil servants civil servants yeah, there's yeah. a number of. Um, all across the spectrum, and, and even within the private sector, um, depending on your depending on your company, on your who you're working for, that you know at Macy's that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have floated like there there was definitely limits on what I could talk about with people, um, at least to some degree. <clears throat> but uh, just talking about w- what it's like to wrestle with those situations, and a lot of times I think our our response to that, or at least what I have seen, is that the response is, well, you know, that's hard, or that might be, you know, I might get in trouble for that, or or it's I, it's just not, it's not worth it to try to figure out how to do that. It's not worth it to try to figure out how, it's not worth the effort. It's easier to just, you know, I'll just not worry about it, right? Um, and when you were talking about this, I was reminded of the early church, um, specifically when learning about the book of Revelation, talking about the context of those churches, like the church in Ephesus or Sardis or Pergamum, um, was the, the Ty- Tyresha, Tyresha or, something or something like that. Like that. Um, specifically, there was one that popped into my brain was Ephesus, because Ephesus, the Caesar Domitian, the Caesar there, if I remember correctly, made Ephesus his kind of capital city, and he really set up stake there. And partially he did that because it was the kind of, there was a lot of, a lot of Jewish and Christianity going on there. And he did not like the Jewish people. Um, he really didn't like them and he lumped the Christians in with the Jewish people. And so they experienced, if you go research this stuff, it's absolutely fascinating. They went through some incredibly tough times. Um, for example, when we when we read about the mark of the beast, um, and I don't want to get into fights with people over whether Revelation's like a future prophecy or whether it's already happened or whatever. But what we, what we do know is it was like this is contextually we do know that there are historical events that match up and sync with this stuff, right? So for the context of this, we're just looking at the early church and what happened to them, and there was things that would happen like the markets. If you wanted to go sell your goods in the markets. What they put on was that you had to go and get this mark of the beast. And in order to do that, you had to go and sacrifice things to the gods at the temple. 
right? And if you're a good Christian uh, or you're a good Jew and you're not going to worship the foreign gods, you're only going to worship God, right? You're not going to go sacrifice things to Athena or Apollo or whatever. You're not, you, now you can't get that mark of the beast. You can't get the mark from the temple that now allows you to sell and trade and buy goods in this market, and you're pushed to the outskirts. And what that also means is people aren't going to come by and associate with you because you haven't done this, and now you're an outsider, right? Right. Yeah, for you to go to the mall, their version of the mall, uh, you would... It's like those kiosks. You would would, make a sacrifice, and the Mark of the Beast is is a veiled um, reference... But you would you would take the ash and you would put the ash on your forehead. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so that that ash on your forehead said, "Yep, I can buy and I could sell within the market." And sure. If you didn't have that, you were not allowed. The emperor worship there. So Ephesus is in modern modern Turkey, uh, in that region. The emperor worship was more dogmatic there than it was in Rome. Mm-hmm. Probably because the people in Rome actually knew the emperor. <laughs> and so they're like, yeah, 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 emperor worship, whatever. You know, I mean, it's sure. like, of course... Yeah, 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 he's a god, sure. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, you know, he he stumbles the way everybody else stumbles. He, you know... He bleeds. He bleeds, you know, he smells, whatever. Um <clears throat> He's got the same problems that you and I have. In Turkey, distance allows for you, your imagination to run a little differently. Sure, sure. Um, the other thing to the other thing to point out is that all right. So that we've set the context of this church is they're they're having wild opposition. But what these churches were known for, what the early Christian church was known for, was getting in these cities, and they they took care of people. Right. Um, I think it was Sardis had uh, the the big worship there was to a, a female god, and in order to worship the female god, they did this wild, drunken, wild, drunken party, all wearing white, and they would go running up to the temple, and every year there was a ton of guys, and the, the ultimate sacrifice that you can make for this... For this uh, for this goddess was to castrate yourself um, wearing white. And then if you couldn't actually do the deed, so everybody's wild raving drunk and you're trying to get drunk enough that you'll, you can then carry out this deed on yourself, which sounds absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, Like what a great way to, what a great way to worship. Right. Um, So obvious, obviously like don't go go look this one up. If you Uh, don't want to like see some PG 13 or possibly R rated material. (laughs) <laughs> um, like you've been warned, this is your, this is your warning, but, uh, or, or at least to get blood on your robes from somebody else who had come up like th- this is, this is wild and crazy. But one of the things that the, the archeologists have found is that the, the church had set up like a little, they'd set up like a little hospital up there next to the temple. Mm. And we're like, what the heck is going on there? Like these, these people are caring for the, they're, they're getting right into the mess of it, literally into the mess of this. And they're like, oh yeah, you just, you're hurting. Come here. Let's, let's try to, you know, 
what and th- this is this is what the church was known for. There was there's reports from generals that you can go look up that are just they're like these Christians are phenomenal people. Like what why uh, why would we like they're raving about how great they are? Well, and we also know that the church in Ephesus within a couple hundred years was at eighty yeah. percent. Like. Oh, it 80, exploded. 80% of the population. So in a town where you had to worship Domitian in mm-hmm. order to buy and sell, yep. they had the conversation, and it wasn't picketing, it wasn't uh, blowhorns, it was, it was the way they loved and served their community. It was quiet and steady. And, um, and so they had the conversation in such a way that people were drawn to this. And and so, yeah, maybe within our current work environments, we're not allowed to say certain things. And I think there's a certain amount of respect and honor that sure. that that we decorum that we can have as Christians. Um, I, I think sometimes people think they're honoring God, but they're showing a lack of decorum. And, and you know, I guess you, that's a wrestle. Uh, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. But in the workplaces where we're not allowed to talk about Christ, we could still talk about Christ in the way we live, in the things that we do. And when people ask us, man, why are you like that? That's when we answer the question. Yep. And and so, you know, people knew that I was a, a Christ follower. I was the pastor to my squadron. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was referred to that as multiple times. Rob, you should be praying for us here. We don't, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, for someone from the wing a chaplain's office to come in. So will you, will you pray at this mm-hmm. event? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they knew where I stood Yeah, and, so, and I got to do funerals for people and, you know, so, at any rate. Reminded me of a quote, and I actually just went and looked it up, from St. Francis of Assisi. Yep. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And I like that quote. Yeah, and we should be using words. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. Um, and your so... Actions, your actions can do more to queue up, like, they can queue mm-hmm. up those conversations. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when I when I when I hear about these hard to minister situations, when I think about the ones that I've experienced, mm-hmm. like, nope, that's how you do it. Like that's and, it, and so like take that for what you will or go research that more if you want. Um, but thinking about that, the early church and how how they were successful in that um, against opposition that we don't even really fathom right now. Yeah, and there's a there is a tension there, and um, I think it's a good tension. I think it's something for us to be praying about all the time. You know, it's not. I mean, there's just because we work in a public sector doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to engage. I think He does want us to engage. The how becomes a great conversation. Mm. Um, God, God can provide solutions. God can provide opportunities. He can open up conversations. If we are interested in pursuing that, sure, yeah. cool, cool. Well, there's your DM for the week. 
A little discipleship moment. <laughs> I'm Molly shaking her head at me. <laughs> uh, all right, let's dig into uh, let's dig into Luke Luke nine verse sixty one and sixty two. So I so I said Peter is re- returning to um, the family business, right? He's fishing. Okay. Yep. This is not recreational fishing. This isn't fly fishing. This isn't isn't spinner rod. It's commercial fish. fishing. This is commercial fishing. This is. Uh, fishing so that you could feed a community, so you could buy and sell and trade. Jesus, in Luke 9, um, has someone come to him, and he says, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Mm. This is in reference to... Uh, Elijah's call of Elisha, found in 1 Kings 19. We talked about this in this sermon series. Uh, I think it was in the first message, because uh, this is where we get the concept of discipleship, is the relationship between Elijah and Elisha. And uh, and that's where the Pharisees, in particular, um, pattern their uh, what discipleship should look like. Mm-hmm. That's how they chose to live that out. And Jesus, so Elijah comes to Elisha and throws his cloak on him, and and Elisha knows that he's being called to follow him, and he says, let me go say goodbye to my family. And, mm-hmm. and Elisha says, well, what have I done? What have I done to you? Elisha destroys um, his plows, makes firewood out of them, and, and barbecues mm-hmm. <laughs> the bowls, uh, 12 sets, that's a big barbecue, and he, and he feeds the people. Uh-huh. He, he destroys his ability to go back and, and work the family farm. There's no going back. There's no going back. Peter... Goes back. Goes back... And even with the large haul um, of 153 fish, which we'll get back to, um, the nets don't break. In the first story, the nets break. The nets break, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first fishing story with Jesus, uh, the nets break. Uh, Another time when they had fished all night and hadn't caught anything. This time... The nets don't break, and I think Jesus is giving Peter the option. Huh. Are you going to follow me? Are you going to put your hand back to plow? What's your choice here, Peter? Huh. And that's good. That's good. Well, and that's that's uh, where that falls. So... It, where it falls, because this is coming after Peter has betrayed Christ, obviously, right. and then and that and that's uh, that's before the Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Right. Um, before Jesus goes all old Greg on him, uh, he he's giving him this option, which is almost like it's almost like another one of like Peter was not should not be expecting this, right? Jacob, you wanted to talk about. This betrayer concept. Yeah. Uh, no, well, and it's interesting. When you're reading the Gospels, uh, they really go out of the way to introduce Judas as a betrayer. 
Um, which kind of from our context, we'd be like, of course, Judas was the betrayer. Sure. Um, especially not like not thinking or not knowing too much about Judas himself. Like, you know, he gave up Jesus to die. Right. Um, seems like betrayal. It seems like betrayal. Um, but it is, it is weird because they really go out of their way to mention it. And they mention it like they they spoil the story. <laughs> the first time Judas is ever mentioned in in I'm pretty sure every gospel, uh, it's well before he he betrays anyone, and it says the guy that betrayed Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's almost like they had to get something off their chest. Yeah, well, it sounds like they were a little irritated at him. Yeah. <laughs> or well, interestingly enough, from like a Jewish perspective, he wouldn't have been seen as a betrayer, at least not initially. Okay. Um, what would how would he have been seen? Um, he would have been seen as kind of a wayward disciple for sure. Um, but we don't see him actually like renounce or deny Jesus. Um, we do see him turn in, in turn Jesus into the priests. Um, and there's a few theories on why Judas would have done this. Judas was a zealot. Um, and the zealots were, they hated the priests. Absolutely hated them. Um, one of the, the, one of the former chief priests was actually murdered by zealots on the Temple Mount. Um, And the zealots were were very closely related to the Pharisees. And it's interesting that they would resort to killing someone on the Temple Mount. Like that kind of shows just how much they hated and despised the priests that they would think that that was okay. Sure. Um, It's better to kill you here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. So what was it? What was his? What was his driving? Like, why, what's so? If he hates the priest, why would he go to the priests and betray his rabbi, who he's been following around for three years? Why is he going to betray mm-hmm. his rabbi to these priests that he hates? One of the biggest series, and my personal favorite, is that Judas wanted to. He, he was seeing that Jesus wasn't going to really start this revolution, or maybe uh, there's a few different takes on it. There's one that that Jesus told Judas, "Hey, why don't you turn me in?" <laughs> and we'll start this revolution thing. Uh, Judas thinking it's going one way, but it really goes a different way. Sure. Uh, as a zealot, he's thinking that revolution is going to come from, they're going to uprise against Rome, mm-hmm. and the 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 chief priests that are all corrupt and and evil, they're all going to get thrown down with Rome. Yeah. Yeah, we'll bring about God's kingdom again. Or even thinking just that the people will be so mad that the chief priests have Jesus that they'll sure. just start the revolution there. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, but Judas definitely believed in a, in a violent revolution. Okay. Um, and Jesus wasn't giving him that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's kind of weird because to us, that's like, that's so foreign. Um, but from the Jewish perspective, he was still trying to follow his rabbi's teachings. Okay. Um, so how does Peter come into this? Peter... Um, well, so the worst thing you could ever do, and actually Peter is the only person we have evidence of this ever happening with. Okay. The worst thing you could ever do is deny your rabbi. Or, say, or he's not, and what Peter did three times is saying, he's not him. my rabbi. I don't even know him. I don't him. even know him. Wow. Okay. Um, that is by far the worst thing you could ever do. Because this guy, like, that's a disrespect to, like the work they've put in the uh the wisdom they have the work they've put in you like you're man. throwing all of that away yeah saying that that was worth nothing mm-hmm. sure okay um and that's kind of bad in our culture 
but on a whole different level, like the way they valued rabbis um, and like, cause the rabbis were these dudes that just, they just loved the Bible and that was, and they just did this. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't like a job. They weren't paid. Uh, they didn't have a tithe system where they got paid. The priests got the tithe. Um, okay. These guys just built the pharisaical like system um, and like without without these rabbis like the Jews at that time wouldn't have had the text at all so to re- mm. to like deny a rabbi especially your rabbi is just insane mm. um, and so and, and that's why like there's points after this where like uh, Jesus has to mention get the disciples and Peter because Peter wouldn't have been called a disciple um, just as like just as Peter had rejected Jesus in some ways, like that reflected back on Peter. Sure. Um, Makes sense. So thinking of Peter as the betrayer, then like he's, he's committed this huge betrayal that could be viewed on the same level or maybe worse or, but at least on in, in the ballpark of Judas, Mm -hmm. the betrayer. Yeah. Um, So Jesus comes back with this, this invitation like no 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 you can still are you gonna follow me Peter mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you one more chance you've already said you were I, I I knew you were gonna deny me three times I'm gonna give you a fourth <laughs> like I only said three you can come back now that's that's some good stuff yeah that's some good stuff yeah and he comes back to be the leader um he does he ends up being the the head of the entire movement yeah which is good and as we know Jesus asked him you know, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times there. So, Rob, let's talk. You 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 wanted to geek out on the number three for a little bit. Yeah. So Tell there's a number three. of times in Scripture uh, more than what I've got documented here, but there's a number of times in Scripture where if God doesn't show up, uh, things are things get really messy. So Abraham and Isaac they go a, a three days journey. Um, <clears throat> to where Abraham is going to offer up Isaac. Uh, Jacob gets three days' journey away from Laban, and Laban notices that he's gone, and so he chases after Jacob. Uh, Tamar is in her third month of being pregnant when Judah finds out that she's pregnant, and then and then he Judah dresses Tamar. Uh, the cupbearer, Joseph tells the cupbearer that in three days, Pharaoh's going to restore you. Moses asks Pharaoh to let the people go a three days journey into the wilderness. In Exodus 15, the people are without water for three days, and they find the well with bitter water. Mm-hmm. Jonah is in the fish. Three days. Three days. Jesus is is in the grave for three, three days. days. Sign of Jonah. Uh, Jesus comes to Peter and the rest of the apostles. They're there, but three times. Okay. So this is the third time. I'm sensing a pattern. There's a little bit of pattern there's a, there's here. There's a reoccurring. There's a reoccurring occurrence. Reoccurring occurrence. I don't know. And so, from a Jewish perspective, the number three has to do with. With uh, community, mm-hmm. 
But I also believe it has to do with with resurrection. Oh, for sure. Has, like, and and not just with Jesus, but throughout the scriptures, like there's a resurrection. Like there's like God's power is put on display mm-hmm. in the way God is able to uh, move people's hearts, yeah. uh, cause people to not do what they intend to do, <clears throat> or to bring restoration, yeah. or to bring healing. I think that's a that's a valid. That's a valid conclusion, when, I would say. When you were listing them, I was only, like, I was picturing kind of a challenge. Like, it's been three times. Like, three. Which community are you going to buy into? Three. Which community are you going to buy into? Right. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Yeah. And f- for me, in my own personal story, like, God told me three times to, to go to Moscow. Mm-hmm. Like, there was nothing that, there was no real reason for me to go to Moscow. He also told me three times to return to, to the ministry. Mm. And and for me, it was over, over a couple months. Like, I had been praying about this, and I'm going, I'm in my 40s. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away from my parents' business that was very lucrative. I'm going to walk away from, from that. Uh, I had spent three years with my parents, you mm-hmm. know. So, I, you know, like I, when it came to the third time, like, oh, this is God. <laughs> it's not the pizza. <laughs> so it's not bad heartburn. Not bad heartburn. Oh man! All right. Uh, otherwise, I take tums. <laughs> tum 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 tum. Anyway, okay. Well, that's fun. That's fun. Looking for patterns like that is always good. Always good. I wouldn't say the there's definitely something there with the resurrecting. Because um, I, I was... So our next series is Jonah, as we mentioned. Um, and I was doing some doing some listening on that. And uh, came across a, a teaching where they were talking about the sign of Jonah. Mm. Uh, which there was this concept. And the, the Jews took this concept of... Um, the the soul would leave the body i guess i need to research this a little bit more um before we before we do any actual teaching involving this but uh apparently they would they believe that the the soul would remain attached to the body for up to 3 days and then it would leave um and so they could come back to life up to 3 days hmm. uh apparently hmm. i wonder if that's a holdover from egyptian not sure there. Not sure there, but they, they call it the sign of Jonah. Hmm. Um, and it had to do with the fish, I guess. And there's obviously a tie with Jesus on that one. I was also thinking that there might be some ties with Lazarus. Lazarus. Um, and when Jesus resurrected him, hmm. uh, how that might work. But nonetheless, that's that's definitely a tie-in for what you're, what you're getting out there with the resurrecting. Um, and we'll probably end up talking about that some more in, in coming weeks as we talk about Jonah. That's interesting. But, yeah. Yeah. No, it was, yeah. I've never heard that before. No, so me either. That was uh, kind of fun. That that was out of Brad Gray's church. Um, so it, was, it wasn't just an off the wall. I'm like, oh, I kind of trust this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's uh, speaking of numbers, let's let's uh, let's talk about 153 because you mentioned that you wanted to talk about that in the sermon. We we would. We'd pull that apart a little bit more. Yeah, so there's 153 large fish. Uh, Peter was sent to grab a couple, but he took the time to count. Glad it was him and not you. 
Logan. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have a terrible time counting people in church. So Rob's like, get a head count. And I'm like, okay, I'll try. I usually count about five times and I come up with three different numbers. And I'm like, oh, what's the middle number? We're going to pick that one. <laughs> it's roughly right. It's roughly right. I'm I'm always I'm I'm like so yesterday I counted thirty and Rob's like it was thirty one I'm like well why'd you have me count then <laughs> just for crying out loud it's just to make fun of me it's fine so if anyone wants to send me an abacus I'll be <laughs> an abacus that'd be fun I could use an <laughs> abacus picture, for, the picture Logan in the abacus. back going. Sliding, sliding beads. That's you. You, you can't. You can't see that. Slide one over for them. That's so what I'm gonna over. do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna set up an abacus this next and week. And people can just slide one over. Keep it away from my children. <laughs> just saying. I'm just gonna put Makaya in charge of it. I don't know how we keep it away from your children. <laughs> yeah, that's. The, I try. I really you, do. Have you, have you met them? <laughs> They're so young and sprightly. They are very sprightly. <laughs> Anyway, so Jacob, I'll let you uh, back to 153. <laughs> I'll let you uh, finish this one up. Sure. Uh, so uh, the look on your face, Jacob, there. Like, You're like, whoa, like, whoa, wait, what, what? What? I was, yeah, no, I was hoping you guys were going to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll jump in on this. So it's, it's, Mostly, a, it's a tie in with, Eze- with Ezekiel. Yes. Yep. Okay, so what's what's going on in the story of Ezekiel? So Ezekiel, um, he really likes animals. He does like animals. <laughs> he can't stop talking about animals. He's a nature lover. Um, the hippie. Yeah. <laughs> hippie granola. Um, but he, he uses animals a lot in his uh in his book as a metaphor for people. Okay. Um, and uh he's not the only one. I mean, we get called sheep a lot. Yeah, but he he gets more abstract with it. He gets more like, uh, he gets a bit different with it. Sure, sure. Um, Nothing wrong with that, though. Yeah, no, yeah, but because like he doesn't do normal ones. He he does like sheep and uh, he doesn't do sheep. He He doesn't do sheep. He does. (laughs) He does the non-normal ones. Yep. Um, like fish, like fish. Um, and it's actually a midrash on Ezekiel, um, where. Uh, this rabbi claimed that there were 153 types of fish in the Ooh. world. Okay. Um, now, this rabbi, uh, this rabbi was no—he was no biologist. Okay. <laughs> okay. He's not a scientist. He's not—he's not saying this because he went out and counted all the fish in the world. Because um, there's way more than 153. Yep. Um, Can confirm. <laughs> Um, it actually might be a reference. They might have known about 150 dif- 153 different people groups, is my understanding. Okay. But but th- that is what the number came to mean, was uh, essentially all the, all the nations. Um, so the significance of Peter catching 153 fish is essentially like uh, a symbol of what his job was going to be. Um, a tie back to Matthew four nineteen exactly. Uh, when he says fo- men, when he says follow me, yeah, Fisher of men, and also a tie to um, what's coming later with uh, Jesus' call for uh, us to make disciples of the world, uh, going to all nations. Um, okay, and there's some pretty interesting spots where this number shows up. More, it's 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 mostly in the midrash. Um, the I think there 
But I there's... remember, I seem to remember, isn't there, I think it shows up in there. Oh, man. I'm going to have to go check with, I think it's Bradley that was telling me about this. Hmm. Bradley Kruger one time. Um, but there was like, it was somewhere in the story, there was three groups of 50. So you can get, it was like an army, like three three groups of 50 fighting men or something like that. And so you can get 153 out of that. I uh, that's, that's vaguely like that. You, <laughs> you talking triggered this in my mind. So if anybody wants to go track that down, feel free. I'll, maybe I'll come back with it next week like as an update. <laughs> well, it was it was three groups of fifty, so you've got a hundred and fifty and three. Oh, okay. so you get one fifty three. I think that was how that went, but oh man, that's well, way in the back of my mind. Yeah, and it does get it but does anyway, get funky like that sometimes. So this number shows up other places. Yep. Um okay. and it'll be coming up in our next series. We're gonna talk um, about it in Jonah too, probably in footnotes. Oh, oh hot dang, <laughs> hot dang, intrigue. There's fish. There's 153. It's just all tied together. So this is what do you want to throw in there? This Rob? mid from this midrash, we know that this was part of the Jewish thought of that time, mm-hmm. and the number would be sig- significant to Peter mm-hmm. when he's pulling up the nets. The nets. Are not broken, but there's 153 fish, and uh, and you know Jesus then restores Peter back to the original calling of following me. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's that's part of the reason we talk about the midrash is. Um, most most of the midrash was written before Jesus's time, um, and and this was this is a conversation that was very big in their minds. And uh, we see from Jesus's life and Jesus's teachings that they that he talks about it, um, and we see references like this kind of peppered throughout the Gospels, um, and even later on in in all the letters. There's all sorts of midrash uh, connections, so. It's all sorts of interesting stuff to study. Yeah. I was trying to find the one that I was talking about with a quick Google search, but I'm gonna have to go dig deeper to find it. But there was there was a lot of there's a lot of one fifty three that popped up right there. Um so and and disclaimer, numerology can get ridiculous. But so take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. But it is uh fun to go research that. Yep. Make connections there. Uh Excellent. It's very much a literary device, more oh, yeah, so for than sure. a for sure. It's not literal a... thing. Yeah, no, not so much. Uh, yeah, no, that's good stuff. Rob, did you want to talk about the feed my sheep a little bit more there? Or... So with the feed my sheep, you know, Jesus starts off with uh, he talks about lambs, feed my lambs, and then tend my sheep, and then feed my sheep. It it seems to be chiastic in, in nature. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you know, he talks about lambs, which would be younger, and then sheep being older mm-hmm. in age, presumably. Uh, he talks about uh, with lambs, you, you're going to feed them. With sheep, you're going to tend them and then feed them. Um, and so 
there's some complexity to what Jesus is calling to to Peter that I think uh, just speaks to the discipleship process that this is not just... There's some layers to it. Yeah, there's some layers to this. This is not just... Uh, Might not be crazy straightforward. Right. Okay. All right. No, that's good. That's good. It kind of leads us into where I want to where I want to finish things up here. Um, you talked about this some, but I figured we'd we'd jabber for a for a hot second here about the difference between a spiritual parent and a spiritual adult. We've been using this analogy through this whole series of kind of the growth of a human, infant to child to young adult to to adult or parent, and the just the concept of people weighing in, in the room here of the difference, what it looks like to be a spiritual parent versus being just a spiritual adult. Yeah, and I and hopefully it made sense when I talked about it in the sermon that, you know, if Peter's left to his own vices, he's gone back to what's comfortable, he goes back to what he knows, he's he's fishing, he's back in his his community, the people he grew up with— uh, his experience with Jesus is going to change his relationships. Like, it's sure, going to be he, markedly different. It's going to be it's better. Not, it's not like he stopped knowing all of Jesus' teachings when he went back. He would he would still know all of Jesus' teachings, and he would still probably be living out Jesus' teachings. And so that's a you know from a spiritual young adult like that there's some, there's a lot of value there there's a lot of good things there. Sure. Uh, the the difference is, um, in in Peter's case, um, he was in particular called to make disciples like that was the ultimate goal. Yeah. And so if if Peter doesn't ever live out that calling. Um, we don't we don't see the church move forward like it does, and it's not that Jesus couldn't have used somebody else, but but the purpose was to use Peter in all his messiness because that's that's who God has. Sure, you know, and so if this generation, if Jacob's generation, my son, sit next. If his generation just chooses to never have kids, you know, there's Jacob's got some maturity to him. He's he's gonna he's a fantastic worker. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of value to knowing Jacob, to being his friend, to being community with him. There's a lot of value to that. But if he never, if his generation doesn't ever pass that along and 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 own kind of moving moving the uh the world forward through their own childbearing yep um then it just all dies yeah and so you know f- sometimes in American Christianity I think we we become comfortable with the fact that Yep, church has changed me. Yep, I'm a better person. Yep, uh, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a I'm a better neighbor. 
Um, I'm more, maybe, maybe, maybe I make better moral decisions, but that's not all that Christ has called us to. Christ has actually called us to make disciples hmm. and to serve other people and help other people understand what, what this looks like. I'm like the benefit is, is not just for me. The benefit is for the whole world. Hmm. And to some degree that benefit is lost if we choose not to make disciples ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with that. I think, I think that it's definitely a, a possibility that you can become stagnant and just be a, spiritual adult maybe you got it all together maybe you got a great group of christian friends around you and fishing you're all doing a great job of you know following god you know you're living holy lives maybe or whatever that looks like you got a, a healthy community there but if you're not going out and finding those that need to be brought into that if you're not going and finding the spiritual infants or finding the people that just haven't even come to know Christ and bringing them through that process, bringing them through what happened to you, um, then I, I think you're you're missing you're missing a key element. You can't just catch and release discipleship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, uh, you know, so design comes to play in here. So some people are going to, their part of discipleship is administrative. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And and I'm not saying like what that you, you single-handedly have to go do, you know, be the next Billy Graham or something, but you find your part in this process. Maybe a little bit more intentional. To be bringing people along. I think, I think that's completely valid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if our Bible studies never grow, if our care groups never grow, if uh, our our community never grows, there's there's a there's a problem somewhere. And you know, on the one hand, growth is God's. I mean, that's mm-hmm. um, all I can do is uh, you know do a lot. You know, work the soil the way I've been taught to work the soil and, and, and throw the seed the way I've been taught to throw the seed. And, you know, there's, um, you know, watering and fertilizing and there's, there's things that I need to be faithful to, but God ultimately is the one in charge of the growth. But if over the long term you never see growth, what you actually see is, you know, a, a plant that's not growing is actually dying. Yep. A church that's not actually growing is actually dying. Yep, and so we, as the church, all of us, all the people that God has brought together at Mission Ridge, we all have a part to play. And the question is, you you know, you said you know maybe they're doing a great job of following God, but they're not sharing their faith. Are they really following God if they're not? Sharing? That's the that's the catch there. Yeah, you might you might or you might not be. Are you, you on the same path? Might not be an outward rebellion. You might not be in outward rebellion against God. Maybe it feels like things are going well. Maybe things are peaceful and calm. Um, you know, I I don't know what that might look like. But no, I I, I agree. I don't I don't think you're actually like you're not fully you're not fully engaging in what God would have for your life until you're getting into the game. 
and yeah. Are you that. a consumer? Are you a church consumer? Sure. Or are you a provider? Are, have mm-hmm. you matured to the point where you are now providing what was provided to you years ago? Mm-hmm. If you're brand new in the faith, humbly follow those who are going to disciple you. Yeah. But if you are mature in your faith, shepherd the flock. That's what Peter said in First uh, Peter five. So um, you, you're either on either you're either being fed or you're feeding. Which have you been fed long enough that you should be feeding someone else? That yeah. is, I think, the question that Peter would be asking. Mm. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah, you got to get your line in the water. Can't catch any fish if you don't put your line in the water. Bait's also important. Sure. God will God'll bring the fish to bite it, but you got to put it out there. It's our part, God's part, their part, etc. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff there. Cool. Well, this has been a fun series. Uh, I think it's important. I think we'll probably, we'll be back at this again. Maybe next year. We'll probably do it again. <laughs> like, maybe every year. It's kind of important. Yeah. We'll just keep, we'll just keep on keeping on. But in the meantime, uh, Go and uh, go and I don't know, catch some fish or men or I don't know something. Yeah, and uh, feed some sheep, and it'll be real good. And we will be back at it again next week with some tasty footnote goodness on the book of Jonah, Jonah and, the, and big the big fish. Jonah, Jonah and the big big fish. That'd be a great title to. I think it'd be a great great to, title to a movie. Jonah and the huge fish. <laughs> All right. I'm Before we degrade a, further, find a sea to throw Logan into. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Good to have you. We'll uh, catch you on the flip side. Peace. Bye. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.